0: Hey, this is Dwayne Larson, and welcome to It's a Music Thing, a podcast about, well, you guessed it, music. Each week, I'll try to bring you new stories from artists and other people in the music industry. I want to make this podcast one of your go-to music podcasts. There are a few ways you can help me make this happen. Go subscribe on iTunes, and if you feel so inclined, rate us. Also, tell your friends about It's a Music Thing. Nothing like word-of-mouth advertising. That goes a long, long way. Also, check out and follow our social media pages, It's a Music Thing MB on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, it's It's a Music Thing. The website is itsamusicthing.com. Also, if you f- want to, drop me a line at it'samusicthing mb at gmail.ca if you have a show idea or would like to be interviewed or heck maybe you even know someone that wants to be interviewed all right enough of my droning on and on let's get on with the show everybody and welcome back to It's a Music Thing the podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Larson. On today's show, I'm super excited. I'm super stoked. I'm, you know, all those all those super excited things um to to talk to this uh my guest. Uh on today's show I had the pleasure to speak with a gentleman named Chris Grau. And Chris started a band that kind of piqued my interest a little bit because they're a little bit weird. Um, it, it it sounds like an old band i used to listen to called the pettit project out of ontario i believe but the band is called Louser, l o apostrophe or bracket u bracket s e r kind of like loser you know um and he has described it as an 8 bit ska or something band there's a lot of beeps there's a lot of boops um and it's 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 a lot of fun and that was the first thing that kind of caught my eye about about chris was was the music because um, we have a few mutual friends down in la or down in california but researching him a little bit more i found out that he is also a video director producer for some of my favorite bands bands like no effects the bomb pops bad cop bad cop and if you check out his imdb page it goes on and on and on and on and he he creates such great videos and they're not cheesy and they're not shitty they're he he just does a really good job and I I didn't know that was him. And so when I found that out too, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. So it was, it was really great to, you know, to talk to Chris and learn about how, you know, how he got into music, his, and again, I hate saying it cause it sounds so cheesy and so corny, but I did lo- learn about his musical journey. And then we talk about, you know, some of his directing stuff, kind of how he got met up with these, these, a lot of the fat bands and you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was just great to learn more about Chris and also a huge thank you to the WBG WPG magazine for letting me be a part of their awesome podcast network slash family. Uh, If you want to check out any of their stuff, like there's not events going on right now. We all know we're in lockdown. It sucks, but they, they keep, they've got a great team of content creators that, you know, there's new stuff coming out all the time. Uh, So head over to the wpg.ca and check out all their stuff. Check out the other podcasts, check out, you know, the other things they have going on. And they are on all the social media channels, you know, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, all those things. Um, So, yeah, there you go. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys this conversation I had with Chris. I really enjoyed it. So hope you do. All right. I guess uh, first and foremost, who am I talking to today? Hey, I am Chris Grau, uh, also known as Loser. And you also do more than, you know, you're you're more than just a loser.
1: You're, you're also <laughs> well, yeah, my my mom keeps saying that, but uh, everybody else <laughs> seems to disagree. So
0: you're also, you know, a, a music director, an actor. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: I I do uh I do a lot of weird things that you're supposed to have grown out of by this stage of your life. And I, I, I just keep doing them and there's something
0: definitely wrong with me. And the way I start off every podcast, <clears throat> because I don't, know, that's just the way I do it is, is with this question. And the question is always, what is your first memory of hearing music that isn't like a lullaby or a nursery rhyme that really captured your attention? Um, man,
1: that is a good question. I feel like, so when I was little, all the music that I was exposed to, um, cause my mom, my mom is a, uh, is a pianist. She was a, like, she played at churches. She was a music teacher. Um, her mom was a piano teacher. So, um, there was like a strong music thing in my family, but the way that my mom listens to music is in the car, uh, with the volume set to one on either the classical station or the jazz station. So you actually hear nothing oh, okay. until it gets to the very loudest part and you hear doo, 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 doo. like just the tiniest little something. You're like, Oh, 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 no, Nope. I lost it. Okay. So like when I was like the earliest music I was spo- exposed to that, like, Did anything for me was like if we went to Subway and they had K Earth on over there and it was like 50s, oldies stuff. And that was, as far as I knew, the coolest that music could get Mm -hmm. because I just didn't hear any of it. Um, But I think the first time that I heard music that I was like, oh, this might be for me was Green Day, Dookie. That was like the first record when I was like, oh. I get, I get it. I think I get
0: it. And so it, it sounds like growing up, you like, was your household very musical with your mom being like a piano teacher and playing? No. And it's, and it's weird because my, my dad also, he
1: play when he was a kid, he played in like a rock band back in the day. Like he, he, he had a, he always had a guitar. I still have his old uh, acoustic guitar from back in the day. Um, and he's actually, an excellent live sound engineer, like as a hobby, he will go for bands when bands could play shows. He would go and, and like do live sound mix in like a way that I've never had the ears for. So they're, they're both very musical. And yet like really just like, other than my mom practicing piano for like, Oh, like some kids recitals coming up, I better learn this song or, Mm. Oh, we're doing this song on Sunday at church, better learn it. Like, other than that, like, it, it, nobody, we don't really, like, listen to music, like, around the house. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't like that.
0: And so, so growing up, did you start by playing, did, did you play piano? Like, what was the first instrument yeah, that, you, that you learned yeah. on?
1: Yeah, I, I took piano lessons as a kid. Uh, I, I, I mean, like, you know, because my mom played, but also, like, just in that way that I, I think a lot of kids are, are kind of forced to take a, a piano <laughs> lesson,
0: you know, what was your mom, your teacher? No, no, no. I think she, <laughs> I think she tried that for one day before she was like, ah, this is, this is a mistake. <laughs> this is not a good idea. No. And so did, did you pick up the guitar or anything after that? It actually, for me, it was trumpet, which okay. is how
1: I came into, which is, I mean, there's probably some crossover as to why I have an interest in ska music. Cause uh, it was like school band and it was like, all right, like you don't have to play piano anymore, but you got to play something in the band. And I was like, all right, trumpet. And, uh, and then right around that time, there was all this cool music starting to be made that had trumpets in it. And I was like,
0: that's really fun. And I got into that. And that was around, was that around like 94? Like when green days dookie kind of was blowing up or was that, 94? that would have
2: been
1: a little later. Um, like ninety
0: six maybe. Okay. Yeah, I guess So
1: yeah. More like real big fish, more like Less Than Jake. Yeah. Like that sort of stuff going on.
0: And so when you heard Green Day, the the du- <clears throat> the Dookie album and that really kinda captured music for you, did you at that point were you playing in bands or anything?
1: No, no. I mean I was I was too little then. Um I didn't I didn't like I kind of had I tried to put a little thing together in middle school, but I really kind of failed to be in a band uh, <laughs> properly until my 20s. Like I tried really hard. That's why I know how to play every instrument. I, I, I just kept being like, well, nobody needs a trumpet player because nobody wants to do a ska band. So, yeah, I picked up a little bit of guitar and then it was like, well, everybody plays guitar. So that that's a mistake. So then I like learned to play bass and like, you know, I just kept adding more instruments in desperate hopes that somebody would let me be in the van. <laughs> just looking uh, for that
0: one vacancy,
1: hoping for it. Just like, just like, what do I got to do? I, I got, I got a Celtic carp over here. Does anybody need that? No. All right. Next <laughs> one.
0: And so when around that time, like how old were you in like 94?
1: Uh, seven. Okay. So Eight? when, yeah.
0: When, when did you kind of start going to shows? cuz you're 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 in California what part of California are you from
1: I'm in Torrance okay. uh which is like South LA County Yep uh and I I did not go to the shows until I, I that was the other interesting thing I was not allowed to go to shows I kept trying again but I was not allowed to go to shows until my first show I ever went to um was Suburban Legends uh their first time headlining at chain reaction in 2001. Oh, okay. Uh, and I went because a longtime friend of mine, uh, he was neighbors with the owner of this club. And he, I was just at his house and he was like, oh yeah, you want to come over and we can go to the show for free. And it didn't matter that I didn't have the money in my pocket to be able to go. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily
0: allowed to go, but I, I was able to work it out. And what, what was that first show experience for you? Cause I mean, I, I can remember my first, well, big concert, but my first show, cause like, I mean, anybody that listens to this podcast knows the difference between a show and a concert, but what, right, what, right. what, what was that first show experience
1: like for you? It, it was the, it was the best thing ever. I mean, it was like, I, I, I mean, especially as much as I liked it, ska music and i and i was a a fan of that band and and all the stuff that was going on and then it was like to get to like that perfect kind of like small club i mean chain reaction at that time especially was really small i think at that time oh gosh i want to say it was it couldn't it may have had a higher capacity but it should not have had more than 150 people in it like legally probably um but so it was small it was crowded there was a big old skank pit thing going on and like chaotic and they that band has like dance moves and and ridiculous and there's just way too many people on a tiny stage so it's one of those just like full sensory overload kind of things it it
0: was yeah it was the best and being a trumpet player you said that's what kind of has started you down this path of loving ska and i mean there's been so many revivals and re-revivals and whatever what was the first kind of ska band that really like encapsulated everything that you loved about you know ska or learned to love about ska I
1: I mean as far as I could tell when Real Big Fish was uh, like first blowing up on the scene that that was like right when I kind of started paying attention really to like what was going on in music at all and as far as I could tell that was the biggest band in the world Mm -hmm. like obviously in retrospect that wasn't true, but like in the same way that our parents' generation might talk about like Jimi Hendrix or the Beatles or whatever. It's like, oh, it's this big band and they're all over the TV. They're all over the radio, whatever. Like as far as I could tell from here in Southern California, it was like you turn on MTV, there they were. Then they were in a movie. They're on the radio every hour on the hour. Like that was to me the biggest band that I could tell.
0: So when you – I guess you you said it wasn't until like later that you started your, your first band. What was the first band you were in and what were they called? Um, I mean, when I was like in
1: sixth grade, my friends and I tried to put together a band that honestly would have been two rehearsals in my friend's garage before we quit on the whole thing. Yeah. But somehow it ended up like, the school that I was at had no real music program. And so they were like, oh, these kids made a band. So now that's like officially the school band. And so then like anybody could join it that wanted to and showed up and like, we had to rehearse at school during lunch, it was really weird. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I don't know what happened. It was supposed to be like, oh, we made a band. Then all of a sudden it was like, this is, this is a school thing. This got weird. (laughs) Um, And so that, that was called, who knows? And that was my first thing ever. It was yeah, it was, it's exactly as bad as it sounded. Um, but the first band that I actually like got to be in, it was my own band that like did anything, I was in my twenties and it was called Neuronic Distress. And we were like a three three piece pop punk band, uh,
0: with a couple guys that I'm I'm still good friends with and uh it was a lot of fun. And did you guys record or tour or anything, or was that just strictly just playing for fun we recorded a little bit there's a couple eps like on
1: the internet like spotify and whatever um but that band never got to tour um they it was both the other guys had like real jobs Mm -hmm. um and so they never they didn't really want it to do anything more than just be something fun to do on nights and weekends
0: yeah i mean which is which is fair and then yeah. You know, it gives you a chance to explore other stuff when that eventually kind of runs its course. Right. And so what happened after that band? Was there another like, were you were you the guy that was like, I want to be in a band. I want to make this go. I want to make this happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I had that uh, that affliction um, and that uh, person. <laughs> Personality disorder, maybe. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not fun to be, uh, to do anything with a guy like that, because it's like, what do you do? It's like, I really want to do this. Like, cool. I'm having a good time. Yeah, I'm not. I want to, like, yeah. I don't know what's wrong with me. But, uh, but yeah. I, I so I I started hanging around with like some of the other bands that we played with in that. I was in a band called Pizza Wolf for a long time. Uh, I was. I ended up. I also, I auditioned for Suburban Legends. They were looking for a new trumpet player. This is kind of the origin story, is uh, they were looking for a new trumpet player. I sent in an audition video. They found a much better trumpet player, but they liked my video. So I started doing video stuff with them. And, uh, like, we started making music videos and whatnot. And then, well, and, like, I, I started kind of meeting other bands through that and, like, doing a couple videos for them. And then uh, one day I got uh, my car broken into. I'd just gone from shooting a music video for a band called gentlemen prefer blood to play a show with pizza Wolf. And it was one of those situations where like, there was no good place to put your gear inside the venue. That Mm -hmm. wasn't definitely going to get stolen because everybody, it was like one of those bars where it was like, there's going to be a show here now. You know, like, I was like, okay, this is bad. And then the parking lot looked better. I rolled the dice on that and lost, came back, broken window, camera gone, computer gone, lost all the footage, right? Tried to quit music at that point. Tried to be like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm out. Like, if you were looking for a sign, that's it. Yeah. Um, so, but then what happened was like, a bunch of the bands I'd been working with and hanging out with were all kind of like, no, no, you're not done. We still need you. Yeah. So there ended up being like, um, like my buddy, Harry Jerkface, he put together a, a benefit show. Um, my friends, uh, from the ska scene put together a benefit show. My church raised a bunch of money. Like everybody kind of teamed up. And within eight days of when my car was broken into, I had all the money back to buy new gear.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Um,
1: And one of those shows, there was a show with um, uh, my band, Neuronic Distress, but also Codename Rocky, The Maxis, and Suburban Legends. They all came together and did a show. And I ended up talking with The Maxis, and they invited me to come play keyboard for their band. Um, And they were leaving on tour in like a month to open for Real Big Fish and Suburban Legends. Oh, wow. So that was when my like proper touring life began, uh, and then didn't really stop.
0: And what was that first tour like for you? Was it like, cause I know a lot of people, you know, they see musicians on tour. It looks like glorious and wonderful. We all know that's not the truth, but what was that first real touring experience like for you? Uh, I mean, it was
1: rough. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it was, we're in a van and we're driving along hauls, and none of the routes make any sense and we cross the rockies over and over and you know it was it was like it was bad for all the reasons that you think would be bad but it was also it was great i mean like every single night i had to put on a stupid costume and get up on stage and uh be an idiot in front of a bunch of people and i was like this is yeah, this is perfect. This makes a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> like, so had had you met because you had said like one of your 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 favorite bands, or a band that captured your attention was Real Big Fish. Was that the first time you had met those guys? Uh,
1: yeah, I Cause, think so. Because that's pretty. I huge. mean, it, yeah, at least in any kind of like proper capacity, that that was the beginning of my relationship with them. And I, I mean, I've gone on to like. I've made a music video for them. I've made odd promo stuff for them I've, I've toured uh, with them a few times uh, with the Maxis and then you know doing crew for other bands um, uh, Aaron posted my video uh, like a week ago when he saw um, when he saw my music video he, he dug nice. it and he posted about it so yeah and I mean and also Ryland the drummer from that band produced it uh, at uh, the studio where real big fish records. So I, that's become sort of part of my family now.
0: Which which is, I mean, that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is that's how a lot of this stuff happens is it? it's just, you know, being at the right place at the right time. And then, you know, just, yeah. you just keep working hard.
1: Yeah, just just like definitely uh, try to get robbed (laughs) because it'll it'll work out. No. uh, Oh, the fun caveat to the uh, epilogue, I guess, to that story is that uh, several months later, my camera turned up in a pawn shop uh, and I was able to go buy it back. Still had all the footage on it. I finished that video.
0: See, that's that's my biggest thing. I'm a photographer and Mm -hmm. I I always think cuz like I'll oh, I'll walk around some pretty sketchy areas to take photos and stuff. And all I want is like if you're going to rob me, that's cool. I've got insurance. I, I mean, I'm not going to be happy about it, but it's like sure. can you but just give me, give me my SD card? card? Like just give me the yeah. card. The card's not worth anything to you. The photos aren't worth anything to you, but to me, right. you know, they could be worth something. So yeah. Yeah. 100%. And 100%. What was so you you're you're, you know, a touring musician? and you're starting to do music videos and stuff. What, what was your first music video that you directed and did?
1: Um, I mean, the very first music video that I ever did, um, was, was a long time before I, there was some like film and video contest that was free for me to enter. And I had, an entry for every single category except for music video. Just like I just happened to have made, I, I like, I was making stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Still am. Um, but I was like, Oh, I should make a music video. So my friend and I like turned out like a really dumb song and made a dumb music video just so that I could submit to every single category in this contest. Yeah. And it, it, it wasn't very good, but it provided some like in jokes <laughs> for me and my friends for a few years. Um, but the first, like, proper music video thing I did for another band was suburban legends. They like, after that audition, they brought me in and I filmed just kind of like a live in their studio, uh, video of their song, open up your eyes, uh, before that song was out or anything. Uh, So yeah, that was like the first time like working for other people. And then I think like, it feels like there's a gap, but like I was just making a lot of odd skit videos for them. And then with that band, we mounted like a proper production of um uh, uh they have a cover of Kiss the Girl. Oh, okay. and I think that might be like my first proper full story music video for somebody else's band, like real deal.
0: And I know it's I know it's weird or sometimes difficult for artists to look back at their their early work is it tough for you to go back and look at those videos and be like oh shit I should have done this better I should have done this like this being you know no no
1: no no no, not at all I mean I number one I stand by that video in particular I stand by 100% Um, but (laughs) but also I, I, I mean I don't i i don't work like that i'm i'm very much so like uh like cool it's done ship it like i'm not like a person who like labors and like holds on to it and it's mm. like ah tweak it make it better i just like i just like to get it out there i mean i do have projects that i wish were better but i don't know if i have really improved in the last 10 years honestly i think i'm just <laughs> delivering the same i think it's all right about the same quality so i i don't know
0: and like i'm going through your um you cause it, you've got an IMDB and, yeah. you, you know, I'm doing some quote unquote research cause most interviews I like to go in, you know, a little willingly ignorant cause you know, I like, sure. I like to know people's stories and I mean, you've done some, you've, you've worked with some of my favorite bands, um, like a, just, just, I'm not going to list every one of them, but like, um. Like Bad Cop, Bad Cop, a lot of Bomb Pops, mm-hmm. and those guys are phenomenal. Some No Effects, Decomposers, Goldfinger, um, like you said, the Maxis, uh, Suburban Legends. Um, this is something I've always found interesting about directors or people that do video. When bands go in, they, they'll do pre productions on songs and stuff like that. How do you, what's the starting off point for a music video? Um,
1: you know, it's different with every band. Like, I, a lot, I think the way, the way that, uh, you're like supposed to do it, which is not what I do, um, is like, like in the proper music video industry, if I was to go out there and just be like, you know, submitting to be a director on, on like whatever pop stars thing, Mm -hmm. what you do is you write a treatment for a video. And explain how it's going to go. Maybe provide some visual references and whatever. And then just put it out and be like, I don't know. I hear uh, like Lil Wayne has a new track. Maybe this would be a fit for him. You don't know the song. You don't know the title. You haven't heard it. And then they just go. Then they just kind of shop through ideas and they go, Ooh, that sounds like a fun idea. And then they do it, which is totally insane to me, um, because there's no syncing of like the artist's vision of like the song, like what's the story. So what I do is I, especially if it's a band I haven't worked with, I like to like sit with them and hang out and like talk about, okay, like who's your audience, Uh, who are you trying to reach? Like who would I, if I was like walking down the street, who, and I saw somebody, how would you know that you saw somebody that was probably a fan Or should be a fan Mm -hmm. you know get an idea of like who we're trying to talk to and then what do they need to hear um like what do you want to say to those people what kind of a thing like do you want to do something goofy and funny or do you need to say something like political or do you need to do something like you know like what kind of a thing are you trying to put out there and then how does that intersect with the song like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm really against the idea of uh, I, I call it the trap in the closet, um, which is where you make a video that is exactly what's happening in the lyrics of the song. Oh,
0: I you, know? you.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. It, I mean, that famous R. Kelly hip opera, where the song is literally him saying, and then I this, and then I this, and then I this, and then the video and is the person doing doing that,
0: doing doing that exactly doing that. that.
1: Yeah. And then, if you watch the MTV like behind the scenes thing that was in between it the whole time, they cut to the actors in character saying so i was in the closet and then i was like scared like telling you what they just did in character but using the exact words from the song yeah wild wild um so yeah those sort of like inception-y like things it to me is just a bad video because the song already tells that story let people listen to the song and get that like how can we tell a different story Similar themes, similar message matching up with a lyric or something, but without doing that, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And also, do you, do you like to have in your, in your videos, a mixture of like a narrative and live performance or cause I know, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's a band, so you have to have maybe some kind of live performance in there or. Yeah. Aspect.
1: I, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, part of what like helps, keep me and everybody sane on this stuff is like you can't be too precious about it because we're really making a commercial for the song we're making Mm -hmm. a commercial for the band to promote the song and hopefully it's really good and has artistic value and whatever but like you know if you have like the best idea for like um uh, a super goth like metal kind of thing but the band you know, is trying to appeal to like nine-year-old girls, like it's just not a fit. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't work. So um yeah, as far as having performance, I you kind of need to see the band's face. Um in in some way. You kinda need to see that they're a band. Like it, it helps if it's somebody's first time encountering this band, it helps to go, ah, okay. She's the singer. Ah, okay. Uh, he's the drummer. Ah, okay. Yeah. She's the bass player. Like, like just get a quick reference. And then also like, you want a little bit of that monkey see monkey do like, like a couple important lines. You want to see the singer's mouth saying the words. Mm-hmm. Cause we're hoping like, like the, the there's like, I saw some research somewhere that was saying that, like, if you hear it and see someone saying it, the, like, memory retention is a lot higher. Yeah. So I, I try to do that as much as possible. Some videos are so ambitious. There's not much room for it, but and is, I, I try to always tag it in there.
0: And is it ever difficult to get? Cause I mean, a lot of bands, band members, band people, band folks aren't actors. Is it hard? Is it hard to like coax that out of them? And how do you do that? Cause I know some people are, super stiff and robotic. And it's like, okay, walk from there to there. And they like, right. You know, so how do you kind of get rid of that problem?
1: It it is hard. It is hard. And it's something that I deal with every single day. (laughs) Um, the, I mean where I put my piece with it is that like, if, if this were a television series or a movie you'd have to find a different actor. You'd Mm -hmm. be like, this isn't working, let's get somebody else. But again, it's a band. It's a commercial for them as a musical group. And if they're kind of goofy on camera, then that's part of it. That's part of what's for sale here. So like, you like, I I have a lot of tricks. I I, I mean like, um, I actually have to, when I'm working with a real actor, I always have to keep it in my head that like, hey, this is a real actor, treat them like a real actor because I do so much working with non-actors and I do all the things that you're not supposed to do. I'll, I'll give them line readings, you know, I'll like, I'll, I'll kind of act it out for them. If I need them to be a little looser, I'll, I'll get way goofier in front of them so that they feel okay. I'll tell them, you know, to go 10,000 times too far, you know, like, like all the, all the little tricks that are, some are good and some are bad, but like just to get, as good of a performance as I can. But once I see, once I give them a few different notes and I see the same performance, like two or three times in a row, I'm like, okay, this is as good as it gets. Let's just move on. Yeah. Cause like, uh, you know, I, I I do try not to write intense acting videos for bands where I'm like, oh yeah, 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 that's right. They're not really good actors or, or like the other thing I'll do is don't put the band necessarily in the lead role. If there's an important story and you have a non act, you have non actors, like let the band be the band mm-hmm. and be ancillary characters and, and let the story get carried by somebody that can do it.
0: I think um, one, one of the bands you've done a great job with, and I've met two of the four of them is the bomb pops. Like, yeah. though, though especially um, the ladies they they just they're they're goofy and they're fun and so and that definitely reflects in in most if not all the videos and especially the the latest ones you put out are they are incredible like they yeah they that's also I'm being a little biased because the last two uh, the, the last two releases that I've listened to the most especially over the summer was um it has been bad cop bad cop and the bomb pops and I love just everything that they've, they've put out, including the videos.
1: Yeah. 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 Those. So the bomb pops actually, um, were like a huge part of me being able to do what I'm doing today. Like I met Jen just working when she was working at the Redwood bar and I was playing there with Neuronic distress and pizza wolf. And I was like, Oh, she's in this band, the bomb pops. And I I can't remember if we, any of those bands, actually played with the bomb pops or like one of her side projects at the time. But like, you know, we'd play like little shows together. We knew each other. I was like, Oh, we're looking to do a video. And I was like, yeah, cool. Like I'll come in and do it. And, uh, and we did some stuff early on and, and, and Jen and like Jen and Polly, Neil, Josh, all of them, they they've stuck with me. So like, no matter, like some of the videos we like absolutely fought through some of the videos (laughs) were great and went super smooth. Like we've, but we've had like a real work and like, no matter what happens though, like no matter like how bad it was, it's like, you know, next time they're getting up to do something, my phone rings, you know, <laughs> they're like, all right, let's do it again. Cause like we get good work out of it. You know, yeah. we've always like muscled through and, 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 and made good stuff. And I have to say like beyond Jen and Polly too, like the true hero, I think of that band in acting is Josh. Cause the, so I think the first video I actually shot for them was "Breathe." Uh, it's where they're just like they're just playing in their practice space. They needed a video, just like I hate doing those like little performance videos. Yeah. Um, but they needed it. They were like, "Yeah, we need something that just kind of like shows, like who we are." We're just trying to like demo this for record labels or whatever. And so I, I yeah. agreed to do it. Um, but the first like actual music video I did for that band was "Can of Worms," and what we wanted to say with that video. And maybe we wouldn't have made it today, um, but it was an important message, and I, and I stand by it, was that uh, the Bomb Pops are getting a lot of flack for? it's like, oh, people just like that band because there's hot girls in it. So what we did was we gender bent it, and we had the guys play the girls, and the girls play the guys. Yeah. And we just did, we went like full like gender tropes with it. We had like, you know the guys being like like (laughs) like girly girly girls like ditzy and whatever like and we had the girls being like gross like you know scratching their nuts on the couch kind of guys like we we did that in order to say which again like you know not very like uh, progressively minded but we were just trying to say like hey this band is cool no matter like who's in the bikini
0: Yeah. For a multitude of different reasons.
1: Right. That like, that was what we wanted to say. And when, uh, when I wrote it, I I wrote that script and it was like, I had like all this stuff that they had to do. And everybody was like, there's absolutely no way Josh is going to wear a bikini. There's absolutely no way Josh is going to do this stuff. He's going to be so nervous and whatever the whole time. And more than anybody in that video, if you watch that video, Josh nails it. Cause he just like, he just rose to it. He was like, I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. So I'm going to go all out. And like, like Neil, who was much more comfortable is like, he's, everybody's great in that video, but everybody who is much more comfortable doing what they're doing was just kind of doing it. And Josh is like out there and like, so magnificent, like such a good performance. Like, and since then, like we've scaled back, like we've, we've figured out like, okay, what is everybody actually good at? Mm -hmm. And now, going into that video, like I know how to write for everybody. It's like, okay, this person needs to have a part where they do this stuff. Oh, we have to do this. So that's going to have to be this person, you know, like, like we figured out their strengths and weaknesses, but man, that first video, like dude, Josh, so good.
0: And so you, you touched on something that I was also very interested in. Are you, you, you said you're not a big fan of that kind of just like straight up live performance. They're in a room thing. Is yeah. It, is it just boring to you? Cause there's, it's like, there they are. It's like, let's fake this music performance however many times to shoot the different angles and stuff. Is it just it's, like creatively meh?
1: It's well, it's a combination of things. Number one, like purely from a technical thing, like I prefer to come into a video knowing everything that I want, and so then editing is fast. Cause I hate editing. Mm-hmm. Editing is the worst part to me. Yep. I love thinking about it. I love preparing. I love shooting. Um, but then when I'm editing, it's just like, can I do anything else besides this? So I like, I like to really do all those story things because then it's like, okay, well I need the shot of them getting in the door. I need the shot of them looking at each other. I need the shot of them this. So I just start pulling all those clips and the video kind of edits itself, you know, like, yeah, like at least the first pass Like, well, all of this has to be here. Um, whereas with the performance stuff, you just, you don't really think about it. You just shoot a bunch of stuff and then later you have to make all the decisions. And I hate that. It takes so much longer to edit because all the cuts have to be faster because it's objectively boring. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's gotta be moving quick. And, and it could be any of the like 20 or 30 different shots that you have, uh, but mathematically some of them are eliminated because you used them too recently. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not fun, but more than that, like, I don't think, I don't think it does anything for you. Like, like, I guess in an age where you need some sort of visual content to get, to get the video out in the world, like, I guess maybe you need five seconds of you going, La, 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 or like whatever, just to like have an Instagram post about it. Yeah. But I don't think that connects with your audience. I don't think it captures their attention and makes them listen to the whole thing. I don't think it's like shareable. I don't think it, like anybody's going to see that and go, wow, you've got to see this video. Like, I, I think it fails at a lot of the promotional aspects of it. Plus, artistically, it's, like on the bankrupt side again, like I have done it and I do it occasionally when it seems necessary, mm-hmm. but a lot of times I I'll charge more to do it because I don't like to do it. Yep. <laughs> like,
0: I, yeah, I, I, I equivalent that with like, you know, the shitty photo shoots where it's like, Oh, let's go stand and look behind a tree. And this is the family. photo. I'm like, I, I will do that, but you were going to pay through the nose because I don't want to do that. And it looks horrible. And that's not the way, I do it and you're hiring me for my vision. Right. I mean, it's a little different when you're got another group of people that you're also, you know, collaborating with, but no,
1: no, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's the same between what we're doing. Cause like, like, you know, the band is like, we're trying to market ourselves this way. And when you're taking a picture of somebody, they're like, this is the kind of person I'm trying to represent myself with. That's like, yeah, you have a, a, like a clash of, of vision. And yeah, and it's weird because they hire you because it's like, oh, you make cool stuff. Now do exactly what we say.
0: Like, well, <laughs> hold on. Yeah, it's like we, we, we can do some of the stuff you say or you want, but you still want this to be cool and, you know.
1: Right, like, especially like if people, you're so sure, just do it yourself.
0: Yeah, especially when people are so close to something, they, they yeah. you know, that's why they bring you in is to like pick all the best parts of that and then make it all go together. Right. So – um. I'm not a total gear head, but I love gear and I've got like, I just did a, a kind of a presentation for a photography school here in Winnipeg and I, they're, they're new students I think they've only been going for two or three weeks. But I said, I'm not one of those people that has gas, which is, I don't know if you know, but gear acquisition syndrome, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't buy stuff unless it's going to make me money or it's usable. What Mm -hmm. did you, when you first started, what were you shooting on and how has that evolved?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I've, I've always been, uh, like, I'm not a gear guy either. Mm -hmm. Like I buy, if it's cheap, I'll pick it up like on a, on a lark. But, um, but yeah, mostly if I think I'm going to use it, but like I'm the, the camera that I, I'm using now for my music videos is the same camera i bought when all my gear got stolen Oh, okay like from that and if that hadn't happened i'd still probably be uh I'm, i might have upgraded by now to this camera anyway but yeah like i mean i'm i'm way behind i'm like eight years behind on the tech <laughs> side of it i started with um gosh i'm trying to think like i i mean, The first when I was first like properly doing any kind of videos, it was my church had a Canon. What is it called? Like an not an HVX because I think that's like Sony or some or Panasonic or something. But it was like the equivalent. It was called like the X1 or something. Okay. Um. Uh. But it was like a mini DV. Like had one lens. But it zoomed, but it was like a big shoulder mounty, like looked oh, like a proper yeah, yeah. television station kind of thing. Yep. And that was just around for free. So that was what I used uh, until that was absolutely untenable uh anymore. Like, like I hated, I hated doing projects where I had tape because you had to like capture the oh. tape to the computer. Yeah. And that was that was such a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah. When I started making videos for other bands, I was borrowing friends cameras. I would be like, yo, this band's playing night. Like, can I borrow your camera? And like, like, like little DSLRs. Um, and I would, I would go shoot it until like at a certain point I was borrowing somebody's camera like every week. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like now I have to do this. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I, I bought my first, uh, Gosh, what was the Nikon D I can't remember the model of the first one I used, but like uh, one of those like Nikon, like a D 90 or whatever it was at the time. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then now I'm on a D 5,300 and, and now honestly, I'm shooting with my phone more and more.
0: Oh yeah. Just the, the, the qualities in, in the, in the cameras in the phones have yeah. blown up. So
1: yeah, I, the, and like the only gear that I'm buying these days is actually for phone shooting. I bought like one of those DJI gimbal things. Yep. Yeah. Um, and like, I've got a little like mic mount for it and stuff. Like, cause I was like, you know, if I upgrade my camera, it's a thousand dollars or whatever, get the new camera body. And then none of my lenses work. And then I need all these mounts and stuff. I was just like, I, I, every time I look at it, it's like, to cheaply upgrade is gonna cost me like $5,000 and to really do it right, it's gonna cost me 10. And I can't justify that, but I've always upgrade my phone every few years because I need a phone anyway. Yeah. And the camera's keep getting better, so I was like, well, I guess I should just make small investments towards that. And mm-hmm. it, it seems to be the way to go. There's still a lot of shortcomings on the phone. Um, but especially if you try to do like interesting lighting or anything, yeah. but it's getting there.
0: And so on top of like working with folks like no effects, the bomb pops, real big fish in, in all that time, you're still playing music and now you've started up a new thing. Yeah. And that's called, is, is it loser?
1: Yeah. It's loser.
0: I, I just, I, cause it's like L O. Yeah, 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 yeah. So,
1: okay. The story on that <laughs> is it's spelled L O U in parentheses S E R because yeah. it turns out legally, my first name is Lewis and I didn't actually know that until the DMV told me. Um, so I have a few friends who call me Lou and I thought it was a fun spin to be like Lou Zer, but obviously the U is optional. So I parentheses it to hopefully discourage people from saying louser.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's still, it says louser. It's a, (laughs) it's an oh neither situation. It's a bad name. It's a mistake, but I enjoy it. So I I kept toying with it. I was like, do I do Lou dash Zer? Do I do like Lou in parentheses? Yeah. And yeah, uh, there's there's no good solution. I'm, I, and Spotify and Apple don't represent any special characters anyway. So it just says Louser. So
0: I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I love the fact that you just referenced that thing that you do. I love the Oneaters. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. the own eaters. Yeah, um, exactly. So what was the... Why the decision to kind of like go out on like your your own way? Because you recorded this. Your did you record this yourself? No, no. I
1: had a lot of help. That's I play all the instruments. You play all
0: everything. But,
1: yeah, but I had a lot of help. Um, uh, Chris Luca from Suburban Legends did a lot of pre production with me. He does a lot of like eight bit stuff, so he was able to kind of like help me figure out how to process a lot of that mm-hmm. um ryland from real big fish was the producer dave irish engineered it um reed from we are the union uh helped uh Jay graves who mixes all their stuff mix it so there's like a lot of hands on that side of it yeah that's like that is the one thing that i'm really really bad at and i've tried a few times over the years i am the world's worst recording engineer i cannot do that um so yeah, I, I, so I don't,
0: I mean, we, we all have our things that we we're, we're able to do. I'm, I've never tried to do it myself, but I feel I would be much in the same, same boat as you. And I can't play anything. So that also eliminates it's, everything. It's
1: so hard. I don't get it. I don't know how anybody does it. I swear what they're doing and what I'm doing are the same thing, but they do it and it sounds magical and I do it and it sounds like, just some hot, wet turd. And I don't know the difference.
0: And when, when people listen to this song, there's, I I don't know if this is, I've seen the, I saw you had referenced it a couple times, but chip tune. Yeah. And what exactly, like what, I mean, what is that? And what drew you to that kind of, I don't want to call it beep boop sound, but like, yeah, no,
1: no. So like, don't feel bad because literally on my, in my file for like when I'm making the music, there is a folder called bleeps and bloops. Like that's (laughs) like, yeah, no, that's, that's a hundred percent. That's not, I don't find that belittling. Um, I love video games. Mm -hmm. Um, chip tune is, uh, like when you hear like video game music, like if you were to play a game on the NES or the SNES, like those songs where there's no real recorded music, and um every sound like in particular in those times like by the time you get to the n64 and stuff um you've got more like midi instruments like it sounds like a violin like they weren't recording real violins yeah there was like it's roughly like a synthesizer that you might like that my first casio synthesizer you might have yep but for those first couple consoles literally the sounds that can make the sound Card could make very limited sounds you control it with midi and just like ask it can you play me an a sharp and kind of go B-, at the end of it and it would do its best um so since then people have figured out how to take these machines apart and access the sound card through like hack software and then play it so i have like game boys that i've you know kind of disassembled and whatever and i can like plug a keyboard into and play um and there are people that are much better than me and much more like purists than me who like truly make full songs they'll rack like 20 or 30 nintendos and have like signals going to all of them so they're like playing all these different nintendos making only sounds available from the nes sound card at the time and i'm much less precious about it my song is like real drums and bass guitar and guitar and like there's an organ there's vocals but then, like, also, like, supported by these, like, NES organ sounds, some stuff in the beat, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's from the, the sound card, um, you know. But, uh, but, yeah, so, like, that's kind of the chip tune thing. And, and it's, oh, my gosh, there's, like, I mean, one of the best bands that blends it, I would say, is, like, Anamanaguchi. If you've ever listened to them, they do, like, crazy rock and roll guitars with, like, 8-bit sounds, crying does some really cool work bomb the music industry jeff rosenstock uh will occasionally use little 8-bit sounds um so th- there a, there's a lot of people that do it very well um and then yeah i just also really like ska music and um and i kind of wanted to just like do both those things and yeah. and and it, it fit for me like um Cause it's the two things that people know about me is I collect a lot of video games and I'm always in mad scientist mode, taking them apart. <laughs> and, uh, and I like ska music and I ska defines who I am as a person. I will never turn my back on ska So,
0: and what's, what's your uh, game system of choice? I mean, right now
1: I'm playing the switch a lot. Mm-hmm. Like that's great. Um, but as far as like the retro stuff, um, It's like picking a kid, man. I don't know.
0: (laughs) It's whatever you feel like at the time. It's like, I'm going to play this. I want to play that.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I I have a, they're all, they're all different. And I like different things about all of them. And I hate different things about all of them. But part of what I like about it is that there's some dumb stuff. Like I definitely, I definitely prefer, stuff that's like N64 and before I like the cartridge stuff. Mm. I don't care very much for the PlayStation one. I think a lot of those games were pretty trash. Um, but there's some hits. There's some great ones. I don't yeah. know.
0: Yeah. My, my brother, cause I kind of fell out of gaming a little bit. Like growing up, we had the, uh, the Intellivision. Yeah. And then that got eventually upgraded to the Sega Genesis. Yep, yeah, which I still love. I just saw on um on the Xbox that there's a whole thing with like all the classic Sega Sega games and I'm like, "Ooh, do I spend $25 on this?" I think I should cuz yeah. I could play Sonic the Hedgehog for for hours.
1: Yeah. It's a great game. Uh yeah. I mean like and and I still love modern games. And I love everything that's happening. I'm I'm not like one of those guys that only likes the old stuff. I just I have an affinity for some of this like cartridge based solid state stuff because yeah. it's so easy to work on and keep running once like the optical drives and stuff are involved and the discs are more fragile. It's just, it's just more difficult and that stuff. I I love it, but I would rather emulate it um, where I don't have, I have a GameCube, I have PlayStation one and two, I, I have that stuff and I, and I do run it, but like, yeah, it's, I don't know the, some of the older gear is just fun to play with.
0: Are you one of those guys that when like your friends are out and they see something game oriented, they'll like text you and be like, Hey, do you want this? Or they'll just show up and be like, yeah, we found this. Here you go. That it's your issue. Now. It definitely used to be more so like now
1: that stuff has people have like figured out that people like it. It's gotten a lot more expensive. Yes. So like now it's kind of the other way where like, if I have a friend that's like, man, like, I just really wish I had a Game Boy, like, SP, like, it had the backlight, like, that was so cool, I'll, like, find the broken one and fix it up and get it for them, you know? Like, and and yeah, and if anybody sees, like, a crazy deal on a video game, they probably just buy it as an investment to resell it, you know? It it used to be so easy, all my friends would be like, I've got a Genesis, yeah, whatever, you want that thing? Sure, take it. You know, but now now people are like,
0: do you do you have any have like idea. classic collector games that are worth like a bunch of money?
1: The the probably the best thing I have I have a factory sealed uh, Nintendo sixty four Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh wow! Um, I found it at a thrift shop, uh, and they were selling it for four dollars. So <laughs> I bought it, and that that was that was like. When I, I started collecting, when this stuff was all trash, yeah, um, which is perfect. So it was
0: perfect time for that to start,
1: right? Yeah. So like it was really easy to come by all this stuff. Like, yeah. Now now when I want something, when I find, I'm like, oh man, like I never got that game. Like that's a bummer. Like I'll look it up and it'll be like, you know, forty to a hundred dollars or whatever for the game, and I'm like, yeah. like no way, because it used to be like one to five dollars.
0: Yeah, that's that's how yes. I, I I collect records, and I feel the same way because yeah. it's like if I can't get them, like right out of the box, like right from whatever label, and then they like resell it. Like I just saw, um, what was it? Some some box set, and it's like originally you know two three hundred dollars for this box set, and now they're selling it for fifteen hundred. I'm just like that's yeah. I get it. Supply and demand, but I'm, I, right. Even if, even if I had the money, I'd be like, I'm, I'm good. I can, I can not do this.
1: Totally. And, and I mean, and that's the thing too, is that like, with stuff like that, it's like, okay, well you can still listen to it. You can still stream it. And with the games, like, you know, I, I can still emulate this. I can yeah. still play the game. So like, I guess we are just talking like, you know, collector value on holding the hardware. Um, you know, I, 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 guess there's, I guess that's fair, but I, I just, I like it. I like the, I like to have it around. I like to feel like I live in a video game store,
0: <laughs> especially these days. Yeah. There's, there's, there's nothing happier than just turning everything off and going into a different world.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the, um, loser's first video and, um, first song growing up is out and, everyone should go check it out. Uh, what do you have coming up next? Like, what do you, are you working on any new videos for either yourself or other folks? Oh yeah. I've got,
1: uh, a crippling amount of things to do for other people. Uh, um, I'll get stressed out just thinking about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean like, uh, a lot of, uh a lot of the same names that you've seen on my imdb without being specific like i'm working on projects for uh all those bands again um uh, a couple new people have hit me up we'll see if any of that goes anywhere um and then yeah i've got i've got more songs coming um i'm gonna be i'm gonna be having some people come in and some bands guesting i think on future songs and that'll be Fun, but yeah I'm, I'm gonna keep making stuff um i mean it's a pandemic like there, why not
0: yeah there's nothing else we can really do right now than yeah. you know um and do you have like a good amount of songs written and recorded and yeah are yeah, you, yeah, yeah are you gonna do like a full album or are you just gonna kind of dribble out like single by single video by video
1: um, yeah, I'm gonna put stuff together. I'm gonna compile stuff into records. I just think that Um. I think that singles are, you know, people say that they want a record. And if you're a person who's looking to purchase a record, then that's fair. Mm-hmm. But people don't actually like albums. Like, like, they, they say that they do. Yeah. But 90% of anybody's music consumption is putting whatever streaming service they have on shuffle Mm -hmm. or discover or a playlist or whatever. And like very little of it is like, I'm going to listen to this album back to front. So I just think that it makes the most sense. If you're a band out there, trickle out your songs one by one, because each one of them is just one post. It's just one video. You can't make all the content and, and spend the money to, Uh, promote all of them equally the way you need to. So yeah, I'll, I'll be trickling out songs one at a time. And at some point I'll, I'll, I'll put out a record and and try to make something uh, worth uh, paying money for.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing the, I mean, your new music, uh, the music videos that you're going to be doing with other folks, because like, like I had said before, it's, you, you've really been killing it because you just look at the, uh, the, the, the band list that you've worked with in even just the last two years, like the uh, I, I just sent this uh, song to a friend. Mary Fistmas, was like,
2: <sighs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that one that it was super funny because Mike literally just he was like, hey, do you want to he's like, you know, you're like part of the family now. Do you want to come over for Hanukkah dinner? And I was like, yeah, totally. So I came. And, like, whenever I'm doing stuff with Mike, I always bring a camera because he's very, very, like, impulsive. Yeah. So I, I had it on me, and then he was like, we wrote a song today. It's called Merry Fistmas. I was like, okay. And we, like, had Hanukkah dinner. And he's like, should we make a video? And so that was literally just the guest list of Mike's Hanukkah dinner. Yeah. Like, in that video. Yeah. We just, like, cranked it out in a couple hours. Which it was is very funny.
0: I mean, amazing and to me that's just about more creative than if you have all this time to like really overthink things. It's like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to have fun. Um, yeah. cause yeah, Johnny played me that song. Um, yeah. When, when we were in LA and I just, I remember looking at him and being like, what, what the fuck? I'm like, this is, this is funny and hilarious. And you know, yeah. And then your video it was just like after you know, I'd heard it and then the video came out, whatever. I'm like, this is, this is going to be on my Christmas playlist because it has. Oh yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, Chris, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I feel like with all my guests, I've been very blessed that I feel like I could talk to everyone for hours and hours and hours, whether it be sure music video music, um, you know, just about everything, but I appreciate you taking the time and talking to me. And where can people find out stuff about loser if they want to check out some of the Uh, stuff?
1: The best bet is chrisgrau.com. My name is, all of my names are confusing to spell. I'm sorry, but that's C-H-R-I-S-G-R-A-U-E, E E for no reason, .com. Uh, That's got links to, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, all that jazz. Um, There's a mailing list. Uh, I don't know. Um, (laughs) but yeah, go, go there. That's the hub and Twitch. I've been doing a lot of Twitch streaming. Uh, yeah. So, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat, I'll be there.
0: Awesome. Thanks for talking to me and hopefully we'll, I'll get a chance to get down there at some point and I'll get a, can meet you in person. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Hit me up. Well, there you go. There was my conversation with Chris. I hope Everybody really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed doing it. It was great to to learn more about Chris's you know journey through through music, how we got into it, how we got into um, you know video game collecting, how we got into directing, recording, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I always find it fascinating when I get a chance to to learn about people. It's, it's why I do this. it's why I continue to do this. It's why I enjoy doing this. And so huge thank you to Chris for taking the time to talk to me um and excuse me like i said off the uh, the top also a big thank you to the wpg magazine for bringing me into their pod podcast network family head over to the wpg.ca to check out all you know all the stuff that's going on not that there's much going on right now sadly but hopefully at some point again you'll see their events page just cram full of stuff. But until then, they've got a bunch of great creators over there. New articles, new YouTube stuff. Yeah, highly recommended. Go check them out. Um, and like always, with every episode, I like to end with uh, three songs. Uh, the first song is Chris's newest song, or louser, looser. Um, it's a new song called Growing Up. And then we're going to take it back to a an old song he and you know christmas is just done but we can we can listen to a christmas song cuz why not uh, it's he he had told me this is about 5 years old or so and it's called breaking up for christmas and then the very last song we're going to play was by chris's first band uh Neuronic Distress and the song is called Until You Love Me Again so again big thank you to chris for taking the time to talk to me big thank you to all of you for continuing to listen And, yeah, stay safe out there, everybody.
2: Why can't I grow up? Stop feeling like I'm stuck. Guessing now that I was wrong. Is gone cause you're not here Oh I never want you back You're a mistletoe megalomaniac So we're breaking up For Christmas We're breaking up